Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So my next interview is with Peter Albaxton, who is the sound designer for the new, well, I think soon to be nominated for an Oscar documentary film, The Cave. It is a beautiful film. It's a compelling film. It's 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 tragic in in many ways, and yet it still has a very hopeful story to tell. It's it's uh, it's a, the latest nonfiction effort, actually, from the. Um, yeah, Oscar-nominated uh, uh, director who made the film uh, Last Man in Aleppo uh, from 2019, Faraz uh, Fayez, uh, the director. And, and But in this case, uh, today we get to talk to Peter, and he's the sound designer. And what's fascinating about this conversation is it's it's all about listening. It really is. And it's about about sound as a, uh, a story uh, teller and how it helps to create empathy and how uh, the reason Peter's been nominated for for a um, what's called a Golden Reel Award for the sound design on this um, it really does create uh, an extra angle to, for, uh, to to the tension and to the and to, and to moving the story forward um, it really as Peter says it uh, is sound sound is an amazing storyteller he says that every sound actually every sound in a film, should tell a part of the story and how even these small sounds, things like uh, in this film, uh, The Cave, for instance, the, the, the movement of the wheels on gurneys in this hospital that's underground in Syria, um, and how it follows this uh, woman, Dr. Uh, uh, Armani, uh, Armani, I'm sorry, and, and the sound of her shoes and how they're special. And so these things, how they help to move that story forward, how they help to... 
uh, as, as Peter says, form a character. So this is a film about, uh, uh, about history, it's about war, it's about what's going on currently, it's about PTSD, it's, it's about sound, it's about listening, but you know, it really is once again about empathy and about, about stepping into the shoes of others. And, and Peter and I have a great chat, he was in Copenhagen, our connection was good. So listen in and don't forget davidpecklive.com for more information about my uh, podcasting and my speaking and my writing. Uh, you can find out more there. You can order a copy of Real Changes Incremental. I would love it if you do that. Face-to-facelive.ca for so many more interviews. Uh, coming up on the last few TIFF uh, interviews that I did from 2019, so many. I think I did about 23, 25 interviews over time. In fact, just uh, this, uh, the cave was also at TIFF this past year, uh, 2019 as well. And um, uh, if you want to advertise with us, you can do that. Please let me know. Reach out to us. You can get a hold of us on face-to-facelive.ca. We've got a, a, a newsletter. We have banner ads we can put on the website. We're having several hundred thousand unique visits a month now to our website. And we also can advertise for you in, in the middle of uh, a podcast. And we're hoping to build that out in, in 2020. Please share it with your friends. Uh, and, and, and Oh, and Patreon. You can support us that way too if, if, you, if you feel so desired uh, or so driven and desired, I guess, uh, are a part of that uh, decision on your part. Uh, you can get behind us on Patreon. And, and if you can't do that, I totally get it. Uh, maybe leave us a review on iTunes. We would really appreciate that. It makes all the difference in the world. Share it with your friends. Uh, sign up for our newsletter. And don't forget um, uh, rabble.ca too for a whole host of other interviews there. It's a platform where I'm hosted. Face-to-face is, is there. And uh, podcast podcasters, bloggers, vloggers, uh, journalists, writers, people uh, telling news uh, in, in a way uh, that really matters, in, in, in a different way, in a way that you're not going to hear in mainstream media. But uh, coming uh, right up uh, in interview about uh, empathy, sound, and listening uh, with Peter Robertson and and his new film, uh, or the new film, The Cave. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We are joined by a very special guest here with us today. I think, uh, unfortunately, we aren't face to face because I think it would be a much more interesting interview if I was in Copenhagen alongside of Peter uh, here today uh, on Face to Face. We are joined uh, digitally online by Peter Albrechtsen with us here today to talk about uh, film, uh, story, sound, and and the importance of that in uh, the new Oscar. Well, not Oscar nominated. I shouldn't say that, but but maybe soon to be Oscar nominated film, The Cave. Peter, thanks for your time today. Thank you. So, so Peter, I've, I've, I, I, some some filmmakers would say I may have jinxed them by already referring to it as Oscar nominated, but I know it's I know it's on a short list, and I know that you were nominated recently for I believe for the film for a Golden Reel Award. Maybe maybe you can tell us a little bit about that um, that level of excitement about the nomination, and 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 maybe just give us a little bit of perspective around you know, this film before we actually start talking about uh, the sound of war and, and contrast and juxtaposition and, and recreating sounds and so on and how important it is to, to tell a story well. I mean, The Cave is a film about the, the, the war in Syria and, and it takes place in an underground hospital um, uh, where uh, actually... All, all the nurses and, and and the leader of the hospital are all women, or mainly women, and um, uh, it's it's in that regard it's telling a really really like a, a scary story mm. about war and and I mean for me like an incredibly moving film even after having watched it all these times 
I still get moved when I watch it. And it's for me, it's so important that the world gets to see this because it seems like the 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 media around the world has pretty much forgotten about this terrible, terrible war that's going on in Syria. So for me, this whole thing about nominations and awards and so on, the big thing for me about that is that it it creates a new focus on this story and it really highlights this film and what it's about. And it's um, I think that is incredibly important and, and that's also why it's so important for me to support this film because I'm I'm very proud of the work that we've done on the film, but I'm also very proud of being part of a film that tells such an important story. Well, first of all, let me just say congratulations on the film because I, I, I too, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I'm not a journalist, um, uh, but I, I've been referred to as a journalist and certainly a storyteller before with, with my podcast and with Face to Face trying to get stories out there that you know, either people have forgotten about or, or are not focusing on quite as much as perhaps maybe they should be. And it is it is remarkable uh, to see this film. And as you say, so moving, so emotional, so, so, so deeply troubling. And yet on a certain level, uh, I did and I find it really hopeful, just that resilience again of the human spirit and, and what we are able to you know, kind of stand up against, and and the and 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 Dr. Amani, the, the the you know, focusing on this woman and her story particularly, and and just it it really does kind of give you hope in the middle of this madness, and and, and to your point, you know, how how do we how do we keep focused on these types of stories? How do we get and not just focus on them for the sake of it, but I, I think I would imagine that everyone involved in this film, the idea behind it was to, to, to move people to action, it would seem to me. Yeah, for me, it's really like, if it's a film about, I mean, the very worst of humanity, but also the very best of humanity. I'm so incredibly moved by what Amani Balua is doing, and I had the fortune of meeting her, actually. Oh, we wow. went to Turkey to, to record some extra voices and her voiceover for the film, and she was just an amazing woman, just so down to earth, and at the same time, so, so I mean, such a spiritual like, like you just like you've you have this feeling that you're in in together with someone who's just an extraordinary human being mm. and such a lovely human being, and it was really amazing meeting her there. So, um, so, yeah. so, so, tell, so, tell me a little bit about. Um... Yeah, I can I can imagine. Because oh, you you wouldn't have been on. I was going to say on set, but you weren't there for the filming of this. The work that you do largely is done uh, in post for the most part, is it not in post production? Yeah, exactly. So especially for a film like this, uh, it was the three photographers and no one else. So there weren't even a sound recorders on. Uh, they they just recorded sound directly to the cameras. Um, so. I mean, the way that this was shot, it's like, for me, it's incredible that it's even possible to, I mean, physically possible to do this. And they had to smuggle the material with, I mean, they uploaded to a satellite and that was then downloaded uh, here in Europe, in Denmark, where uh, where we're based and where the director is based. I mean, the way everything that had to be done to make this film possible, it's just so so crazy and and it's 
it's I mean, in many ways, I feel that all just that in itself is almost like a, a, such a such a like such a big thing. It it took so much work to just get it physically. Well, I mean, shoot the film and 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 get the material out of the country. Yeah, re- remarkable. I had no idea about the uploading of the footage and so on. I guess they they would. There would be a concern about um, about it being damaged or lost or stolen or or, or what I mean I, I would I would I would think that would be a, a factor for sure from a storytelling perspective the director must have, yeah, yeah. and the cinematographers themselves must have been pretty stressed out about that I would think most of the time one of the things Peter I've heard about this film uh, uh, not only about the sound and the design and and the, and the and the importance of that, but also the the cinematography. You know, most of what we've seen, I guess, coming out of Syria, and there's been a couple other films this year uh, as well, Farsama and a few others are are largely very journalistic, sort of in nature and tone, with the handheld camera and 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 so on. And this film, though, is 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 so much more. Um, hmm. I don't want to say the word intentional, but I feel like that's almost what I, I want to say. It's 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 crafted in a in a more intentional way. Does that make sense? Yeah, in a in a sense it does. I mean, it's um, uh, it's definitely more cinematic. Uh, right. For for the director Firas Fayad, he was he from the very beginning he wanted this to be a subjective experience. Like he wanted the audience to feel how it felt to be there not just see how mm. it is mm. there but to actually feel how it is to be there so the physical experience of being there and for him sound was such a incredibly big part of that the whole way that sound especially loud sounds right like they they almost have a physical effect on your body they do yes uh, so he he really wanted the sound to uh, like not just enhance but really like totally surround the audience so that you got this experience of being in the cave with these nurses and these uh, victims of war um, there's there's a moment there's it's so interesting that you mentioned that and I'm, I'm i'm just trying to look through my through my notes here but there's a moment where uh in the film where amani covers her ears there's a bombing sequence that's pretty terrifying frankly um but but there's something about about this the sound of it and she she talks about how that she can almost hear the war that she can almost hear the bombings even though the bombings aren't even happening or at least that's what i took away from it and what it made me think of peter was the the deep emotional impact of sound in a setting like that, in a situation like that, and how it would go on to affect you for the rest of your life, the PTSD, the PTSD, like the shell shock, like nature of it, right? Which is so rooted in sound. I mean, the the, the director Ferras, he had he has been in, in, imprisoned in Syria and tortured in Syria uh, for for doing his work uh, before he became a refugee and came here to Denmark and Europe and and. And he talks very much about like sound as a traumatizing thing. Mm. Like, like sound is not just the sound you hear. Sound is something that, like, goes inside your body and inside your mind and unveils all the traumas that you had. And for him, um, like these bombings and the jets and 
the warfare for him, it was really like uh, important to recreate this feeling of the the traumatizing feeling of sound, and that was really hard to do that because I mean, uh, one thing is the aspect of trying to create that feeling because it's you. I then got hold of all these actual recordings of the Russian jets and the 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 warfare in the streets and the shootings and so on. But building on top of that so that you could really get this intense physical and emotional experience from sound was mm. really something that we spent a lot of time on. And it's actually quite interesting. The 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 nurse and uh, and uh, and cook. Uh, in the film, uh, Sama, she uh, she watched the film and she said, "This is exactly how it sounds in the cave." Wow! So, so for her, that was, I mean, the that was the greatest compliment we could get. I think, like this is, the, we actually managed to recreate the this intense, like physical, emotional, sonic experience of of experiencing that. Uh, you know, it's so amazing clearly you know as a sound designer you've you've been thinking about these things all your life and uh, uh, your career is dependent on it and and you must see the world and and hear the world i guess i was going to say see the world through a particular lens but you hear the world through i guess a particular filter um uh but but it's 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 just fascinating to me to think of sound because typically we don't, you know, uh, we, we, we don't think of sound as, as a way to tell story, but that clearly without the sound, everything would be different, obviously. I mean, the oh, I was struck by so many sequences, by the way, Peter, in the film, not only from a sound, but a filmmaking uh, perspective as well, and the establishing shots of the, the silence of, of the city and the dust, and then the incoming rockets and the explosions. And there's there's something profoundly kind of terrifying about that as if there was if it would almost be if you were in the city if it was silent for too long and maybe this is what uh, the uh, dr romani was was suggesting that she could hear them coming right even even yeah, when yeah. They, even yeah. when they weren't coming it was almost as if you were you were in you were exp in anticipation you know exactly yeah. yeah she talks about being hypersensitive to that's sound, right which i i i think is a really precise description like that you you become so sensitive to sound that you that it's something that that it's almost like you can feel the vibration in the air of sound um and and uh, i think that's also what what's what we worked a lot on in the film was to i mean to make this wall i mean to give it this feeling of realism but at mm. the same time physicality right. and the thing is that the explosions for example in the beginning of the film it couldn't sound like a big hollywood action movie but they had to have a lot of impact so what we did was really like um, adding on lots of different textures of things blowing up or sm small things rattling and and a lot of distortions and stuff like that things like that makes use the the sound makes it seem more powerful mm -hmm. even though it's not like just like a big boom it's more like a, a rough explosion and and that was also something that was very important for us that it it really had to feel real and it really had to feel present and it had to feel visceral 
There's something, uh, there's a scene um, maybe, I don't know, maybe about 35, 40 minutes into the film where, uh, because it seems like the story is told sort of above ground and below ground, and then I guess in the air as well, I suppose you could say. Um, but they're they're driving through the streets and, and again, quite, quite, quite terrifying. And then there's a scene where a young man is running through the streets with a bowl and I think it's food in his hands and, and, and it's, it's, it's the, the machine gun fire in the background and, and just, and again, all those sounds, that richness of it and that, 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 uh, the, what did you, what was the word you used? That realism and, and that immediacy. It's just, it's so, I guess just strikes me as so realistic. And again, as uh, the filmmaker uh, wanted to draw us into the moment. Yeah. Those, those recordings are actually from the streets of Syria and different places where there's a recordist who recorded these sounds. So I've been listening through recordings from the, the ongoing war in the streets. And it's quite crazy because the first time that, Firas talked about these things. I said to him, well, well, people will never walk around in the street if there's shootings going on like that. And he said, oh, yes, they will, because there's no choice. There's, there's no, choice. no choice. If you want to kind of get from one point to another point, you have to go through the streets. And as soon as you enter the streets, there will be shootings. There will be bombings. You cannot avoid it. You just have to kind of hope for the very best and hope that you're not getting hit. And it's, for me, it was just so terrifying this, to get this feeling that you're, I mean, that, that you're so fragile, a mm. fragile human being mm. in the middle of this chaos. And it's incredibly terrifying listening to those recordings. I bet it is. And, and so when you're collecting sounds like that for the work that you're doing, they, uh, I guess I would imagine from a realism perspective and a, a storytelling perspective, you want to use as much as you can from the, 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 the film being made and from the time on the ground, but you're also collecting and borrowing and using from other uh, places as well. Is that not right? Yeah, yeah. So I spend a lot of time researching on just getting all the proper sounds. So all the right jets, all the right bombs, all the right gunfire, the right hospital machinery mm. the, i mean all these i mean even the wheel, the, smoke, wheel, the wheels moving on a on a on a gurney for instance or, or exactly or, yeah. i mean at that that sound was actually something that i recorded him in in copenhagen at a hospital here uh, but we, it was a sound that amani had talked about that the sound of the gurney is coming in and and for her that was really like the beginning of hell and that's how she said like that this is um, this is when when you just know that when the gurneys are coming in like that, right. then it's the beginning of a descent into like a really dark place. Sure, so sure. so that sound had to be very special, and so I I went to record that, and uh, uh, I mean it's one of those sounds that 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 in the film is is really like highlighted and yes. also almost gets a, a i mean it's it's unnatural perspective but at the same time it's natural for them because that's how they experience it do so, you remember peter do you so remember do you remember the um, do you remember the tv show uh, mash that was made on the film uh with uh the old film mash of uh, korean war donald sutherland 
um, was in the original film. Anyway, they went on to make this TV series for many, many years, and there was a character in the film, yeah. in the yeah. show called Radar, and Radar could hear the choppers before anyone else. He could hear the helicopters coming to the hospital before anyone else. It was as if he had, you know, his ears were tuned to the noise and no one else could hear it. And then immediately that was incoming wounded, right? Same same kind of sort of feeling. I mean, and just to, to, to the director's comment about about the sounds and how much, how it becomes a, so part of who you are, right? That, exactly. That, I that, mean, I, I know it from myself also being a parent. I've got two small kids and I... Like, you think, okay, isn't, like, every baby screaming, like, in the same way? (laughs) But the way that you tune your ears, then you can hear, like, you can hear, that's my child. My child is screaming right now down in the yard. I have to run down there right now. It's, It's something that hits you in a way that it's, it's beyond something that you can explain. It's beyond logic. But it, it, that's the... I feel one of the amazing and strong and powerful things about sound is that it it hits you in a subconscious way where you cannot really explain it and it's beyond logic. It's, and be, it's beyond logic, it, yeah, it's beautiful. It's but it's yeah, powerful and and it it evokes so much so many emotions. I interviewed um I interviewed an Irish woman Bella Bathurst recently. Uh, in fact, I think it might have been this year or the year before. Perhaps I could uh, send you the, uh, the the interview. But she wrote a book called Sound, and I, I had I hadn't forgotten about the interview. But until you know, I was talking with uh, the publicist about setting up our our conversation for today. Uh, I went back and listened, and you know, she says that um, it, so she lost her hearing for about twelve years. So she had had her hearing up into her twenties. And she ended up getting some kind of a, a bizarre uh, a medical condition that slowly over time she lost her hearing, but regained it 12 years later. So probably not many people in the world that have this kind of insight into sound and how important um, um, it is. And so she says something to the effect that if sight, if our eyesight gives you the world, then hearing gives us other people. And I just thought that was just a really kind of interest, not only interesting, but a really beautiful way to look at sound um, because it gives us access to others um, in in a way that sight doesn't, right? Yeah, of course you get to see. Because she sort of did a a bit of a survey and would ask people if you had a choice to lose your hearing or your sight, which one would you choose? And most people said they'd prefer to lose their hearing over their sight. And I just, I just thought it would be kind of interesting for us to talk a little bit about that access to others through sound, and and again from a storytelling perspective, how important, how important it really is, getting to know other people, relationship, community, right? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's really, really interesting that how how also how much you actually uh, are able to hear. I mean, people sometimes ask me. People uh, like Peter, do you do you are your ears better than mine? And <laughs> right. and I'm saying, well, they're not, but I think I'm listening more than mm. a lot of other people. Mm. I think a big difference is that that what often happens is that I mean we are hearing things all the time, even when we are sleeping, we are hearing things. Um, so we're in that sense, sound is there all the time, but it's very rare that people are really focused on what they're hearing. I mean, it's very rare that people are actually listening. And it's 
for me, it's just very evident also in the whole culture that we have that it's we we live in such noisy times where there's so much noise going on all the time, and it's because I think that for many many years we haven't as a species been aware of how much sound influences on also just our psychological health that it hmm. really has a big influence on us and i really feel that that um, now there's becoming more awareness of it and it's interesting how that uh, that has also changed i feel that the way that we is i mean we're slowly becoming more and more aware of sound there's podcasts there's more culture about sound there's more focus on sound in, in movies and there's more focus on sound quality um, but for many years it's been really like uh, degraded into something that was not very important at all it's interesting you know my my kids uh 12 and 14 years old we watched for the first time uh, a christmas carol um, the 1958 version and you know this it must kind of make you crazy when you watch a film uh, that that isn't done well that it hasn't been sound designed well from a sound perspective and and the kids were having a really tough time not only was it because of the English accents and the theatrical performances and so on but clearly it was partially you know the the sound the way that their their ears aren't it's almost as if you, it's 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 a different kind of language isn't it to be able to listen well is <laughs> you know it's as if you have to be in the culture or in the context in order to i don't know pick up on the nuances of it you know it's funny that people ask you do you hear do you hear better than i do i think that's a very <laughs> funny question i mean i love it it's a it's it's a philosophical question in a way you know i mean maybe yeah. it's maybe it's partially physiological maybe you are more sensitive than others but but in a way, you, you have to be kind of a poet, it seems to me, to do the work that you do. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I feel that sound is very much connected to your emotions. Mm. And I feel that very often when I do my work, I'm, I mean, the more emotional I am, the, 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 the stronger the work I do. Mm. I mean, the, it, it, for me, it's really like um, something that... that I mean, for for a sound to really make an impact on me, it it has to connect with something inside right, of me. Right, right. And and that's also why when I, I mean, whenever I do sound for a film, I'm I'm so much into like every sound should tell a story. Wow. I really, I really want to make sure that every sound tells the right story. So, for example, like in the cave. Ferraz was talking about, okay, the sound of Amani's shoes, that they have a special sound. Wow. Because he could, he could remember that from when, when visiting her and meeting her, that the, the way her steps sounded had a specific sound. So something like that I find is really interesting because it's, it's about like how small sounds form a character and form a story. And um, that's something that... that uh, I mean, the more aware you are of that, the 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 stronger the sonic storyteller you are. But also, I think the more you are connected to emotions in yourself, and I feel that the more you, I mean, when you're like 
if you go out somewhere together with a good friend or of of someone you love and you you're just sitting in the dark and listening that's an extremely intimate experience it's very mm. very emotional and especially also when you're able to hear small sounds together it's something that you almost never do but whenever you can like hear the breath of someone else it's 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 a very powerful experience and it's such a small sound and i think all of these things it's just a a way a way of talking about sound as how emotional and how evocative it can be peter in the in the film in the cave uh, after the chlorine attack or at least the remnants of it and, and a portion of it um there's an extended it seems to me extended sequence that i would imagine you and faris talked about a great deal if if he was concerned about the sound of dr money's shoes um, um, and, and what what a beautiful uh, f- phrase! How small how small sounds form a character. Um, but but it sounded to me like it seemed to me like that the 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 rest of the film or the rest of the ambient noises kind of went quiet. And and what we were uh, listening to was the breathing, or at least the attempt of the breathing of the of the young children who were now struggling through the chlorine and the gas and so on. And it's as if you chose to mute the rest of the hospital is that did i did i hear that right did i watch that did i see that right did i experience that in the way that you were hoping i would you're totally right about that that it's it's there is that kind of development in the sound for um, for that sequence that it goes into a more abstract place abstract that's the word i was looking for yeah yeah i mean and for me there was there's a point in that sequence where I just couldn't take anymore. It felt so it was so hard, it's so emotionally draining. But at the same time, you need to see it. And I felt that at that point that we it it no longer made any sense to be uh, realistic or or listen to. Uh, how things actually sounded, but it had to be like a more abstract feeling of experiencing this terrible, terrible uh, place um, and this terrible situation. And for me, using this more abstract sound of a breathing machine, like a, do you call it a respirator? A respirator, sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like the that that the whole soundscape slowly turns into this for me that makes that sequence um, turn into something where you you as a as an audience can reflect on what you're seeing and how terrible this is instead of just like being constantly bombarded and 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 right. and, and overwhelmed by the reality i mean at that point you don't need to be told anymore that this is going on. Right. At that point, you need to reflect on why is this mm. going on. And I think that's something that sound can do, that sound can move you from like a point where you witness things into a point where you reflect about things. And it's something that we do a lot in the cave, actually, like going from something that is very reality-based and you're really there and it's very gritty and it's very real. 
and then we slowly move into a more subjective experience where you're there together with the characters, but you're also able to reflect about the 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 terrible situation that this is that's that's going on, and I find that kind of um, that kind of sonic development really like mandatory almost for a film like this because I feel like that creates a depth to the emotional reaction that you have for the film. It's a cup. Oh man, so much to talk. It's amazing, so wonderful. I, I do. Do you do you feel like there's more? Um more of an you know i love the phrase mandatory sonic development that's going to be the title of a book you're going to write one day peter <laughs> that's so cool that's so amazing but but do you think that as we tell more stories we get more of our news through documentaries and obviously as narrative filmmaking you know with 100 and 200 million dollar budgets they can spend a lot of money on sound but you know documentary uh, storytellers and documentarians don't have those budgets usually um and yet equipment, I guess, is getting better along the way. How how important is it for, I mean, clearly you think it's important. We get that. But from a documentary's perspective, from a, from a, is it more important, would you say, in some cases? is is Will the film have more of a impact uh, if I'm drawn in in this sort of realistic, intimate, way some of the you know that i love the way you talk about the hearing you know without out with someone you love and hearing small sounds together i mean how does that play out in 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 document uh doc, doc, documentary uh, documentary storytelling i i really feel that there's been a development during like the last 10 20 years where documentary filmmaking has been much more about filmmaking and not mm. not just about journalism interesting uh, and i think that development has really like opened up the i mean the scope of documentaries and and i think that's a very big part of documentaries nowadays being such a big phenomenon that that's uh, that you you can walk into a cinema and experience a documentary and it's not just 50 different people sitting there and just talking to the camera but it's actually a uh, it's an it's a visual and sonic experience, and that experience can be in many different ways. It it's not like it all needs to be like subjective or poetic. It can also be rough and right. and and ugly. But it the thing is that you you have to consider what it is you're what how you're telling your story, and that goes for every aspect of the filmmaking, all the way from the camera to the characters to the story to the editing to the sound and to the music absolutely as well so all these choices are something that is is a very uh, for me something that is becoming more and more um, important and integral in the storytelling of documentaries and i really and i really like that development uh, I think it's amazing, you know. It, it. I've, I, 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 I've always sort of known sound to be important. I, I'm a product of. I was 11 years old when Star Wars came out in 1977, and the sound and uh, uh, the sounds of Star Wars just 
were a part of the reason why this film changed my life, right? The, the realism of it, the laser blast, the, the metal on metal, and how much time and effort must have gone into the sound design on, on that film. And then others, uh, you know, uh, Pie, Saving Private Ryan, uh, Blade Runner. I mean, there's so, there's so many. I would love to hear, uh, I would love to hear your list too. But, but I, a few, <laughs> a few years ago, I was interviewing. You, you do sorry, but you, you do know that we finished the film at Skywalker Sound. I, well, so so I, I did know that, and and I, I was hoping you would. I was hoping you would bring that up. So that's just so cool to so me. So we actually yeah. had. I, I had breakfast with Ben Bird, who did Star Wars. Oh, you're Star kidding Wars me! One day, yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that was a lot of fun. Oh no, yeah. kidding! That is pretty incredible. <laughs> I'm get I'm getting goosebumps just from that alone. That's pretty amazing. Um, well, you'll appreciate this, Peter. So, a few years ago, I was interviewing Jonas Mekas, the the um, uh, yeah. incre- you know incredible uh, uh, what what could you call him experimental filmmaker? I'm not even sure he would like that title, by the way. Um, but but uh, we had this wonderful time. It was at the Toronto International Film Festival, and it was for a film, uh, I believe, based on a book or a poem that he had written called "I Had Nowhere to Go." And Douglas Gordon was the filmmaker. And so, when we were getting the interview set up. Um, I needed to get a, a screener copy of the film to see before. I just I wasn't going to be able to work out actually seeing it in 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 a theater at TIFF, uh, and and the filmmaker Douglas Gordon wasn't going to let me do that. And so the publicist and I went back and forth, and then eventually he agreed to me seeing the film on my own. If two, two uh, three things. One, I had to turn all the lights out. Two, I had to watch it on the biggest screen I could find. And three, I had to wear a set of headphones. And I just thought that was really fascinating. And as I watched this film, I mean, it's a very abstract film and it's not for everyone. And, 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 um, but, but there are sequences where it, I'm watching a dark screen and I am only hearing sounds and, and, and it's just fascinating. And I think for me, I mean, I've always, like I said, I've always known sound was important, but about three years ago, when, when Douglas Gordon said he wouldn't let me watch his film unless I was wearing a pair of headphones, it was just sort of punctuated in a new way, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it makes total sense. I mean, I think, I mean, one of the, the, the great things of, of like a lot of modern filmmakers is that they, I mean, there's really a big awareness about sound, but I also think that some of the greatest, like, older filmmakers are really like into sound and uh, I mean uh, just the other day I, I re-watched some Hitchcock and Hitchcock oh. was totally into sound of and course wrote scripts for sound yes so he he, he wrote down okay like he, this this uh, car is parking in in the, in the streets of San Francisco and Vertigo and then you you should hear a, a bell right there and there should be like a a small screech of the car and I mean really going into detail right. which is really amazing it it is amazing I um you know what I'm I am so disappointed that we're gonna have to wrap wrap up the interview here I this is one of those interviews and and I was part of the reason why I so love doing podcasts uh, Peter I get to meet wonderful people like you and but also I get stretched and I hope my audience does too because I mean for me this interview is about a brilliant film called the cave uh, and and it's about you know, it's about the Syrian war and about resisting and it's about about what people will do to survive and pushing. And it's all about making choices, but it's also about story and storytelling and how, for me, I just, I love, I'm just 
I, I hope you can, I hope you can hear the smile, uh, 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 Peter, because uh, for me, it's about, I love this, this mandatory sonic development, this, this thing that's going to, I hope, help me now, you know, uh, as a podcaster, as a father, as a friend, as a husband to, to listen, you know, just a little more closely and isn't really in some ways that, that what it's all about. I, you know, I, you, you worked on Dunkirk as well, right? I, I recorded uh, the, a, a boat for Dunkirk, yeah. Um, right. There was this a boat where these two boys, their father is on, and that boat, that, that boat engine only existed in Scandinavia. So uh, <laughs> the sound designer got hold of me to record that for oh, him. Oh, that's so, fascinating. Well, that, yeah. that, there's a, there is a film that uses sound so incredibly well, and... I will never forget. I saw that with my son. It was one of the first sort of big films we saw together on screen in IMAX and that opening gunshot in the film. And I'm sure you know the one I mean. I mean, I, you know, we both jumped out of our seats and just the, the feeling like we were there in the streets. I mean, yeah. isn't, you know, and isn't that the beauty of filmmaking and storytelling? Um, what what a pleasure uh, chatting with you today, Peter. I what's so what's uh, can you what what's next? I mean, for for you, what's on what's on your uh, what's in your calendar? Uh, I just finished a, a Danish feature film that takes place during World War Two, uh, a drama that's that's coming out during next year, and then my next thing will be to go to LA in January to finish. Um, a film called uh, The Killing of Two Lovers that will uh, uh, be in competition at Sundance Film Festival. Oh, so, wow, amazing. Yeah. Well, great. Congratulations to you and, and thank you so much for your time today. We've been talking with uh, Peter Albrechtsen about uh, his work uh, on a, a beautiful, important and, and brilliant new film called The Cave and many, many other things like uh, mandatory sonic development. My new, my new, uh, my new favorite <laughs> phrase, Peter. Thank you so much for your time today. I really do appreciate it here on Face to Face. Thank you. It was really nice. Thank you. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. 
As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. 